great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. We feature guests of varying backgrounds and lived experiences to share their empowering stories, knowledge, and insights. Our goal is for you, the listener, to fill your mind with empowered thoughts to further empower your human. I'm your host, Nkichi Waffer Robinson, and founder and CEO of EIMS. I'm an experienced technology executive, an author, an International Federation of Bodybuilding Pro Athlete, an inspirational speaker and viral sensation with speeches that have over 7 million views worldwide, and most recently awarded WXN Most Powerful Women in Canada. I trust that you are already feeling empowered. So please listen, leave a review, share the podcast, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For now... I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to the next episode of Part of My Skin, the podcast. My next guest is the CEO of KDPM Consulting Group, is a certified emotional intelligence and neural life coach with particular focus on diversity, inclusion, and belonging. She is the founder of Sister Talk Group Leadership and Wellness Academy and Chief Executive Officer of KDPM Consulting Group Incorporated. She is a former backing executive who has dedicated her career to helping companies identify problem areas known as elephant stories that may interview and that may interfere with an organization's inclusion and human optimization goals. Further, she provides transformational tools like the Success Planner, which is awesome. You got to get one to help women, groups, and individuals increase their emotional and social intelligence in order to lead and live more meaningful and fulfilling lives. Put your ears together for the amazing Carlin Purcell. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing welcome. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, furthermore, for all the listeners, man, I got to tell you, like, this woman has you know, multiple features on Oprah's life class and mentions. And it's pretty awesome when you're sitting there. And I remember one day, I think I was sitting there watching and I was like, wait, hold on. Like, Oprah's that's Carlin. And I remember I said, hey, Carlin, I'm like, yeah. so awesome, right? Like when you're watching like your fangirl moment and you have another fangirl moment, it's like, what? So, and, uh, and she, you're also regularly featured on City Line, so we can get a lot of you. I love that. I love that. Um, so, thank you. So as much as we see out there, would love your perspective on who you are. Ah, oh, that is such a great question. Who I am, who am I? Um, I am a child of a king and queens who is put on this earth to live, uh, you know, the purpose that was destined to me. So which means that um, the more obedient I am to my guides, uh, to my, I, I call I call my guides my ancestral council, meaning that these are people who pour into me. That includes my family, both living and dead, but also people who have truly seen me and seen seen the value um, that I bring and 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 how to use my gifts in a way that really honors the life that I have been given. Um, that is who I am and that is who I am becoming. And I say becoming because every day I discover more and more about Carlin um, as I remove the the debris of life or, or the debris that life's experiences bring to my door, to my way. Um, 
that is who I'm, I'm, I'm becoming. So if you ask me that probably a week from now or two weeks from now, I might have a different answer. Yes, I, and I because... love it. You'll have a more expansive answer. A more expensive answer, yeah. but for now, what's coming up for me is that is the most appropriate answer. And I think that that's the, you know, like, I love that you brought that up because to, to the listeners, that's like the first gift. Like, let me just tell you, she's going to be dropping antidotes and she's going to be dropping gifts right through like for the next 30 minutes. So just get out your notepad, right? But like, I think she just gave you permission really to, when you, when you, when you describe yourself, describe yourself in the now. Right. Like, I mean, like, there's nothing more than really understanding who you are in the present moment, moving through whatever conditions and circumstances that life has surrounded you with at that particular time, you know, being that aware. Yeah. And you know what's really driving that? I just actually just heard um, something that says that every single morning when we wake up, we are birthed again. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like it's new life. And every time we go to sleep, we die, meaning that. We put everything to rest and there's no conscious thought of of anything. So to me, every single day we get to choose who do I become today and how do I live and lead by my values. Using the past and form, but not to, not to sort of. Not to stay there. Yeah, Yeah. not to stay there. Ah, Ah, I love it already. See, so I'm big on affirmations, you know, love I am statements. My next question really is like, what's your great I am? My great I am is I am deeply loved, supported, and protected. And you feel that, eh? I feel it. I feel it deeply. And I, I and I added deeply because I felt like I am loved and supported didn't really um, match the vibrational energy of how I feel and, and the people that I have been so fortunate to have in my life. So for me, deeply supported, protected... And, and, and also says that no matter how big my dream is or no matter where I'm being called to go, I should not fear because if I'm being guided to go somewhere, it means that I am protected and I am supported and mm. I am loved. So all I have to do is be obedient and go because I spent a lot of my years um, in Kachi, I'm questioning mm. and trying to validate my existence, whether it's in a role or in a certain space or whether how I'm speaking or what I'm saying matters or will it be received I prepped myself for the lash or the feedback that will come from my perception of inadequacy. Mm -hmm. But that was a perception that I was putting out to the world. Mm -hmm. So obviously the world mirrored it back to me. I love that. And so I have to ask you something like how many years have you been living within the realm of that? Right. Because that's very powerful. Like even I just I like I got like goosebumps, but like just this this chill because it's like. Wow, that's something I'm going to reflect on. I would say I have been practicing for the past decade. The one word that's at the center of everything that I do is embodiment. So I would say I, I probably consciously began the journey probably about uh, you know a decade ago um, in my 30s because I learned how to love Carlin in my 30s. Mm. You know we put so much you know um, um, uh, focus on leadership and leading others, but we don't put enough focus on leading self. And for me, in order for me to be a great leader, meaning leading others, I have to be able to lead Carlin first. Mm. So that quest on learning to lead Carlin um, over the years, I would say probably where I'm at right now, I'm at a high embodiment vibrational rate Mm -hmm. of that 
mm-hmm. way of being and 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 and, and operating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's it's over the past couple of about the past ten years. Wow, that's a nice. I've been actively focused on it, practicing. That's a great feeling. That's a <laughs> yeah. great feeling. Like it gave me a great feeling, which is why I'm like, I want to. I had to ask you that question, and something I'm going to reflect on. Like I, like I like deeply. Like that's big. Deeply. Yeah, deeply. So we're both Oprah fans, so you'll know I got this from yeah. right. You know, you we're, you're leaving your legacies left in every experience and every relationship and interaction. So you know, at the end of this interview, you know, what would you love to be known for? Ooh, at the end of this interview, I hope that I gave someone a reflection of the story or themselves that they don't see anyone else. And that gave them some space to explore who they are becoming a little bit more. And the reason why I say that is it took me a while for me to understand that, for example, um, a great leader actually have lots of moments of self-doubt and, 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 and a lot of experiences that, that have them questioning who they are. Because I grew up with the perception that thinking a leader is someone who's perfect and who have all this stuff together. And um, especially in the corporate world where I came from, a, a great leader is also someone who's white and who's male. And, and as you go down, down the ranks, you know, you, you don't see yourself. So, so there's this cognitive dissonance where the brain is constantly searching for validation, for its belongingness. Mm-hmm. So, so so, so if someone get a little bit of their story or something that I say could help them reconcile uh, what I call an elephant story, uh, which is, you know, a shame-based story, a fear-based story, something that you're still questioning yourself um, on, uh, that it gives you some sort of room for you to either close that chapter or reflect on it from a place of strength and mm-hmm. power. Um, um, I hope that you get that. Because when I saw part of my story in Oprah when she first shared, you know, her elephant story during one of her shows, um, that just changed my life completely because I was finally able to understand that I can be bruised, broken, and I am still valuable. I am still powerful. It's not a but, it's an and. And yeah. that for me was like, blew my mind away. Right? Yes. yes. <laughs> blew my mind away. Yeah. yeah. And so you've already, like, you already gave me point of reflection. So I, you're, you're already accomplishing that goal, by the way. So let's just start. Um, you talked about it earlier, but, I, you know, the fact that you were able to bring yourself into the present and, and really express who you are now. What, but what has been, what was your discovery about who you are during this season of, like, quarantine, pandemic life, and, you know, this whole season of life that we've had for the last year (laughs) oh boy this whole season of you know quarantine um it 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 forced me to 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 face the potholes in my life like you know the areas in my life where um you know i was coping but i really wasn't thriving right Mm -hmm. i was making do but i really wasn't operating at the highest embodiment of my vibrational power so so what it taught me was that um when we when I paused, what my body reintroduced me to was that Carlin, you actually need to rest. Mm. Like Carlin, you actually need to pause and unpack because it was a very rough year, just personally, but also um, I mean, the world, we're all feeling the effects of, of COVID, you know, the racial pandemic. Um, it actually gave me an opportunity for me to A communicate better because my husband and I were home all the time. And I'm like, 
yeah, we need to have verbal conversations and set different boundaries. And, you know, so, so it forced me, for lack of a better word, because we didn't have a choice, we weren't going anywhere, to have verbal conversations there. But also, when the George Floyd, the unfortunate murder of George Floyd, uh, you know, um, I don't know if unfortunate is the right word. I, I can't even find the words to describe There's it. There's no word. You know, like, Perfect. yeah, when, 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 when that happened and organizations, you know, really wanted to actually start beginning the work because I believe if you don't have an anti-racism or an anti-oppression lens to mm. the, to your organizational development and structure, then you're still doing, you know, band-aid, mm-hmm. you know, work, right? So for me, it actually gave me an opportunity for me to design how do I want to work and engage with organizations. So I had to learn how to set better boundaries. I had to learn how to also take time for myself. I'm the mm. type of person, you know, um, um, and could she like, I just, I work, I'm a solution-based person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, constantly, what is the solution? You're constantly thinking, going, go, yeah. No, I need to solutionize. I got to put it in a bento box. I got to get a name for it. I had to learn how to be okay with leaving things undone. I had to learn how to let things fall through the cracks. I had to learn how to extend grace to myself because the only way for me to extend grace to others was to practice with me. So the days where I was trying to push out, oh, I need to write something on this. Oh, this, I need to share a thought. I had to literally take a couple of steps back and admit to myself, Carlin, you don't have the capacity to do it. And this is hard for a solution, you know, based, you know, I, I don't call, necessarily call myself an overachiever, but but somebody who's always focused on solutions and, fi- and solving problems. Mm-hmm. I had to now redefine success to include saying, I don't know, and saying, no, I cannot do this. And also setting boundaries, telling clients that I cannot get back to you this week. I can, I'll have to get back to you next, next week. Mm-hmm. If you had asked me two years before, would I do that? No, that would scare me yeah. crazy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have done it. Right. So, so these were, I would, I guess you can say the two biggest gifts of, of, of COVID. And then it really gave me a chance to listen to Dr. Body and to also understand where am I carrying my exhaustion and that in itself, I had moments in Kachi where I was like, Carlin, you're at home. Why are you on guard? Mm. I've never heard Why that. Are you on guard? your exhaustion. Yeah, because I was carrying my exhaustion in different ways. And again, busyness is a way to cope with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being able to, again, redefine my, my, my working experience. Mm-hmm. How do I want to be the CEO? The type of work that I do, part of the type of work that I do, it's very heavy. And sometimes holding space for folk who are unpacking, you know, very trauma, lots of racial trauma and, 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 and so forth. So, so for me, I had to create this container of self-care that looked very different yeah. before, from, from, from prior to COVID. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it, 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 it taught me to, to A, um, like there were days where I couldn't talk. I had to have not just moments of silence, but I had to be like, <laughs> I remember telling my husband, probably around noon but for now I literally physically do not have the energy to talk mm-hmm. I would go for a walk and I'm walking and my body's like no 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 we actually have to take slow down I need you to walk slower so this is you know what I mean by saying I, I learned where my exhaustion and also how I'm carrying it mm-hmm. and I just had to give into Dr. Body and let my body tell me what it needs right. Well, yeah. so, so I, I, I want to dive into your diversity and inclusion work that you do. Um, but before then, I do, I do want you to talk about Sister Talk Group and, you know, you know what led to that and, you know, and even where it is now. Yeah, I, I mean, everything came from my battle to belong. When I moved to Canada from the Caribbean um, as an immigrant, uh, you know, in, in 2003, 
that I honestly thought that I could take my nine years experience working in the Caribbean. I mean, working, you know, for, for one of the top banks, uh, I, I opened up a new branch, you know, I have very strong operation, you know, um, 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 background, you know, you know, like I, I, I was literally the go-to person to train people on our new system. So I came fully qualified, ready to go. And then I got here and it was almost like my experience and my nine years working, even helping, you know, the, the, the developers to design the system and give them changes and say, here's the customer workflow. That's not how it actually works in the branch. And all of that, I was still treated as if I just came from, I came off the streets. And that was my first encounter with um, understanding how structural, you know, um, um, I don't necessarily want to call it racism. I definitely did experience racism, but you can definitely see how those structures do keep out talent versus, uh, you know, really focusing on the talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so sister talk. Um, um, so going through my through my experience and through my journey, to be quite honest, there are times where, and I'm pretty sure you might have had those those situations where I'm like, did I really? No, Carlin, you're making a big deal. Yeah. So I, I, I had to, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, Carlin, we cannot play the race card. No, Carlin, we cannot play the sexism card. That's not what, but I'm like, but it's checking off all the markers for that. Right. Right. Right? But I, I, I literally talked myself out of the experience. And when we do that, we create containers of pain within ourselves and within our bodies mm-hmm. that only us, only we can reconcile it. So I have been carrying those containers of pain. I have been going out for what I call my authenticity breaks. Authenticity breaks is when I meet my other Caribbean or other, you know, black folks. And, and we can talk freely about, you know, the, the macroaggressions and, and, you know, the message and all the different things we experience. And, and that led me down the road of, okay, so why do I feel so much shame when I'm trying to change my behavior? I grew up in the Caribbean. Like I said, what worked well for me was head down, Carolyn, work hard. They're going to recognize you for it because that worked in, in the Caribbean, but it didn't work here. And I, and I felt like, I felt like I was going crazy and I started questioning myself and my skills. Um, but when I started talking to others, I found out that I was not alone. And I was like, so I'm not alone. So going to, to down the rabbit hole of, okay, so how can I bring my authentic self to work? Can I, you know, what is shame? What is vulnerability? Why is that show? How can I bring vulnerability into the workplace? Because I feel like I don't want to have those conversations just with my colleagues who look like me or who are from the Caribbean. I want to have this conversation with everyone. In, in the workplace. So how can I bring vulnerability to the workplace? Went down a rabbit hole, discovered Brene Brown. Brene literally changed my life. She and Oprah. And 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 so Sister Talk started out of that in Kachi. I, I couldn't find there were women's groups and initiatives in, in, in the workplace at the, you know at the bank, but there was still very focused. It's still coming from the white lens or what I call the white gaze. It wasn't really focusing on what are some of the nuances, some of the experiences uh, that I go through as, as a black woman, as an immigrant woman, as a woman of color? Um, and so so when I discovered the work of Dr. Brene Brown, I just, I had met a few other black women on Bay Street. Uh, and I was like, I'm tired of going to those networking empowerment events. Can Do you want to have a girls night? Do you want to come over? Just bring a bottle of drink or whatever and we'll, we'll, we'll chat. Um, that night, about I would say eight or nine women came to my house um, at 7 p.m. and kitchen was supposed to be an hour, an hour and a half meeting. 2 a.m. I was like, "All right, so y'all need to go. Y'all, y'all need to. <laughs> yeah, 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 y'all need to go." Um, because what I discovered was that I wasn't the only one struggling 
with vulnerability and shame and, and trying to bring your full self to the table. I wasn't the only one struggling with a bucket of experiences that you just, you have nowhere to go with it. You cannot go to HR. And I did go to HR for some of them, but my experiences were invalidated again. It's one thing when you invalidate your experience, but to There's have someone else yeah. do it mm-hmm. and with no attempt to send to you. Yeah. Um, and one of the vivid experiences, it's telling my man, I remember that HR, she was a white um, HR lady, she sided completely with, with, with her, her white male um, in the, um, um, counterpart, colleague. my supervisor, counterpart, yeah. yeah. And not once did she center me on my experience. So I, I learned from an early, you know, early on that HR is not for me and I will never be validated or given the help there. Even calling the employee assistant line, same thing. I still wasn't getting the answers I needed. So Sister Talk literally created, it was supposed to be a one night event. At the end of the evening, after I kicked everybody out, you know, in the wee hours of the morning, folks were like, are we doing this again? Can we do this again? I'm like, sure. I Yeah, absolutely. And because I was literally in the middle of understanding vulnerability and shame and emotions and emotional intelligence. The work of Dr. Brené Brown was central to everything we do. So at the end of the evening, I would give people homework. I would ask folks to write letters to each other. Um, and that became the birth of sister. And actually wow. Oprah, um, 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 uh, the um, producer at, at Harper Studio named Sister Talk, because at the time we had just called it, yeah, women's meetup, but sister talk. We're like, yeah, it's sister talk. You know, women speaking, and then when we um, got the interview that first time, she was like, "So, what's your name?" And I'm like, "Sister Talk." She's like, "Sister Talk Group." I'm like, "Yeah, that's it, <laughs> absolutely." <laughs> so, so I tell folks, you know, Oprah was part of my naming ceremony. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, wow, and, very and, powerful. and that question, Dr. Brené, how can we bring vulnerability into the workplace, and if so, how? Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, Enkachi, I think last year was the first time. I saw vulnerability prioritized as an yes. organizational value. Yes. Um, um, yeah. 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 It's a long time, long time coming. Long so, time. you know, w- when you were talking initially back about, you know, how you go into organizations and before you actually got to the sort of the emotional, like impact for you period of doing that, I actually, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, and before, and I want you to talk about the work that you're doing there and where you feel we are now, but you know, how do you brace yourself for the experience? Because you're walking into an environment. I know you're going to be delivering some truth. <laughs> it's going to either be well-received. There's, there's a stream of, there's a flow. They're either going to resist it or, or receive it. So yeah. how do you prepare yourself, especially when you get resistant energy? And how Ooh, does that make you feel? That's such a great question. So I have a ritual that I do before I do my, uh, you know, my workshops or my listening circles and after. So that looks like last year who really carried me. I don't know if you know the, um, the artist Toby um, um, and Wiche. Oh. Toby has a song called Shine. Oh, I had this song on repeat mm-hmm. over and over again. So um, different days require different um, rituals, but I would say, but the, my most um, um, consistent ritual would be I'm listening to something inspirational, um, talking to spirit to my guides, and, and inviting them in. Um, I have my sage, um, my candles. Um, I also have my um, the folks that I, I reach out to to pour into me when I'm when I'm I'm, I'm depleted. And after each session, I do a clearing of, of energy. And mm-hmm. again, music is a great one. I remember there was a period where the energy was so it was sitting on my chest, and I really like it was so heavy. And the only thing that gave me release was listening to drums. 
-hmm. There was a period of time where I could only listen to African drum and music, and that's it, because that was the only thing that can help shift the energy. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it all shifted, but that's that's a little bit of, of, of how I, I went through. And in sessions, when it when it happened, um, again, we've been practicing holding space and vulnerability for over a decade now. So for me, I have, there are times I call literally on my guides and say, what is the best response right now? So if there's one thing that really the gift of quarantine is learning to trust my intuition a yeah. whole lot more yeah. and trusting that I have the response. And even if I don't, I'm very comfortable saying I don't have the answer to that, but mm -hmm. give me a moment and I'll get back to you on that. Okay, so yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, so I wanted to, so that, wow, thank you. So you sent to yourself and you find a way to. Yes. And you have your, you have your rituals. Love it. So now, so you've prepared yourself you know, what are people calling or what are these organizations calling you on for the most? Like, what have you found has been like the prevailing need? So we have. So one of the things that uh, we focused on, especially for this year, is working with the decision makers and the, um, the senior leadership team. We know that from a subconscious perspective, uh, the brain is always looking to see model what you do versus what you say. Mm. And because nonverbal cues are more powerful than verbal cues, actually people can sense when leaders are being disingenuous, when they're mm -hmm. not being sincere. Mm -hmm. So if your leadership team, if they're not embodying the equitable leadership competences to demonstrate that they are a practicing ally, then it means that you've lost probably not half or maybe most of, 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 of your of, of your of your staff or your audience. So so what we have been focused on actually is our lead to equity program, which is a six month program. We're not in the quicket to fix it. <laughs> we do have clients who want a one off um, here and there. Um, but what we do is that we actually work with with, with organizations to ensure that you you know that the NT racism lens or a psychologically safe lens is, is applied to their entire training strategy. So the mm -hmm. Lip to Equity is like a six-month strategy. Um, and um, we take your, well, in one organization, we took 100 of the top leaders and we went through a six-month program. And every, uh, after one um, um, workshop, we have six weeks in between for them to practice, for them to apply it. Mm -hmm. And then we have a coffee session in between where we talk about how is that, how do you operationalize it? What does that look like? And uh, we do that for the remaining four sessions, and um, this will be a part of if we, we actually support them throughout the entire year. And that's for organizations who already have an equity-based strategy. Mm -hmm. um, we don't do the consultancy work. I found last year the consultancy work was just, it took way too much out of me, and we're a small boutique firm, mm -hmm. so, and we're very careful, and we want to pay attention to the clients we're working with, so we're not taking a lot of clients on. Mm -hmm. We're very particular about the clients that we're taking, because as you said, this this work, it, it, it's my soul, it's my energy, yeah. it's, it's my energy everything. Yeah. So if the values are not aligned, then I can't work with that person because I'm not in the convincing business. If I have to convince you that we, like my life matter, then don't hire me because I'm not the right person for you mm -hmm. because white superiority mindset is actually something we need to tackle in organizations. And if an individual or if a leader have not recognized that they actually have that mindset or they're operating from that mindset, then it means a lot of my work will be focused on convincing you yeah. and I'm not in the convincing business. So curious, have you turned down anyone as after having oh, them with them? Yeah. I like that. Not in the convincing business. You're either. And, and you know, something else you, I've noticed that you say a lot. We use the word ally. Like ally is like it's up there with uh, what's the word that they use to describe the pandemic. There's this, what's that word? Um, unprecedented. Oh, unprecedented. <laughs> right. With the whole uh, racial pandemic, it's been ally. But I love the word that you add in front of it. 
That's the differentiator. Yes. The practicing ally. It's a practicing ally because you will mess up. You will make a mistake. If we're talking about the white superiority mindset, or some folks can say the white supremacy mindset, right? It means that you're operating from an inherited bias that says that to prioritize, right, um, um, white skin supremacy including the skills and the brilliance of those people. That's why we have an an over-representation in the C-suite and in lots of decision-making roles of of, of white folks, right? Mm. People tend to talk about the under-representation. I'm like, no, it's not about the under-representation. What policies and practices in your organization allowed for an over-representation of a particular group in your organization? We have to use our critical thinking lens and ask better questions because if we're asking questions from the other side, there is still the pressure and the onus on black folks or other historically marginalized groups Mm -hmm. to either fix or prove or, yeah, we need to get more black folks in here. Yeah, but are you creating a psychologically safe workplace for more black folks to thrive? Right. That's my question. And this is why we want to prioritize working with organizations who actually, they're not focused on creating an inclusive organization. They're focused on creating a psychologically safe organization because it means that you are going to prioritize the psychological safety of the group that you're learning about in terms of how your organization have either oppressed or created policies or strategies that continue to marginalize or exclude those folks, right? Because inclusion safety, it's not a given. It is something that organizations have to work at. And that is the first actually um, stage in psychological safety. That's so powerful. Inclusion safety. And it uh, draws up, you know, um, an analogy that that I read last year or listened to was around, you know, back in the day when our parents used to go to the doctors, you know, they'd walk in and they would, they'd ask them what's wrong and they would just treat the symptom, you know, and, and then they go about their business. Now, when we walk in, there's a whole sheet that you need to fill out says like, do you have, you know, what's the history of health in your family? And there's all these things like, do you have a history of X, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, because they will not treat the system until they understand the root cause. And so a lot of these organizations, if I understand you correctly, they're, like, especially if you're talking about ones like some of our banks that are like 150 years old and Mm -hmm. operating, Mm -hmm. like, where were black people 150 years ago in your organization? Like, you have to, if you don't know that, then you won't really understand where they are on today. Exactly. So we need to stop talking about the underrepresentation and look at it. Why did the overrepresentation happen? Oh, black folks weren't allowed to apply for jobs or there was discrimination. Okay, we only hired them for being butler and men. Exactly. Right. So what are, or so, and, and so, so to me, when organizations, you know, want to do training only on the, you know, oh, let's just do an anti-racism training. And they're like, oh, and, and by the way, we, we've already done unconscious bias training. I'm like, oh, have you? And I'm like, interesting. I'm like, so how did you address racial bias as part of your unconscious bias framework? Did you talk about white superiority mindset? To me, I see that as an evolution of the growth mindset organization, right? Because it means that your efforts you're saying that you want to learn and you want to grow and you want to evolve, you want to change. That's great. But then we need organizations with a decolonized mindset mm-hmm. in order to prioritize the psychological safety of black, indigenous, and other historically marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. And I think this is when I, we will be able to see that organizations are really serious about creating true change because yes. it means now they're operating from a human equity 
perspective, which is a term actually coined by Peter Trevor Wilson from, um, he, he has a book um, called Human Equity Advantage. And I love his approach because it means that we're bringing everyone along with us. We're taking a look to ensure that from a practicing ally perspective, we're creating space to ensure that when some white folks fail, and they will, they will probably say the wrong thing, they'll probably do the wrong thing, there is enough room so that they can start again tomorrow mm-hmm. and repractice. Mm-hmm. It's not about the shaming. It's not about, you know, oh, you didn't get it right, but it's about understanding that. Yes, I get it as well because the empathy is not extended to us in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. right? Um, but from a human equity lens, it's important to understand that the majority group that needs to drive the change, mm-hmm. we still need to meet them where they are, and which means that you need to talk about mm-hmm. the white superiority mindset, yeah. and we need to get people to understand that that is a part of the subconscious racial bias. And if you're still doing unconscious bias training without identifying your inherited biases Mm -hmm. from a race or gender or any of the identity markers, then it means that you still haven't really scratched the surface and really getting folks to unpack their subconscious Mm -hmm. and to actually start making true change. And I love, you know, I even just love the way you articulated that approach because I, I recognize right now that a lot of people are afraid to fail, you know, like there's a lot of people that are stuck in, are they going to get it right? Are they going to get it wrong? And, you know, kind of what I felt from what you just explained, rest is a freedom from that right like we are going to get it wrong and we're going to get it wrong how many how many ever ways till sunday until we get it right but when we get it right it's got to be right it's got to be right for time for you know right exactly and if you are afraid to fail then it means that we will be where we are today because mkchi if we have the top best leaders leading those organizations in canada it's 2021, and we still have not gotten it right. Yeah, so cold. if we have the best of the best, and this is my challenge to Canada, then we should be able to solve this yeah, problem. Yeah, we should be. Couldn't, right? We have the best of the best. We have the best CEOs, the best C-suite leaders. We have them. It's crazy. We have them. Yeah. So if your, your, your strategy is not coming from, your human equity strategy is not coming from an organizational structure perspective, meaning that when you're thinking about training or you're thinking about putting in place a mental health strategy, you're doing this from an anti-oppression lens. Why? Because you're looking at it through the human equity lens. And if you're not doing that, I would rather organizations simply say that I am okay with being complicit in upholding white supremacy culture in my workplace, and I will continue putting on a bandaid. I think it's it's just more honest yes, to just then, do that, just and be that's honest. okay. Yes, I actually because then like I can choose to either go work there or not. Right. At least I right. know. At least be honest and transparent. And it's funny because yeah. you just as you were saying that, I was like, it's no different. We've been to the moon. <laughs> We are talking, you know, Elon Musk is trying to get us to Mars. And I'm thinking we can't solve this because of control, right? Like it's control and it's power. And it is a feeling that even with 7.5 billion people in the world, that somehow, somehow, if you were to make it equitable for all, you will lose power and control. Exactly. And and that's what power, right? And I think you will get, in my opinion, I think you'll get more. You'll get more on a on a humanity lens and that is the best power in the world right but anyway i digress so yes yeah, <laughs> i love it thank you so with all this work that you're doing and i just want you to get into into carlin again you know what is carlin what is note to self because i know you you write notes to self in yes. 2030 nope. nine years from now note to self yeah nine years from now nine years from now 
Hmm. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> you you ever written now. that one? Yeah, you told me to write one. <laughs> I wrote one two years out. I do, but 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 I'm just trying to trying to. Okay, okay not to self. Nine years from now, um, I would tell Carlin that um, I am glad that you believed in yourself to dream bigger, mm. enough to dream bigger. I am proud, you know, that you believed in yourself enough to dream bigger into my purpose. Because one of the things that I observed, um, and Kachina was a big aha moment for me, is that there are certain things that I don't put my hands up on, or I don't apply for it. And I'm like, God, and why? Is it, don't you want to, you know, impact? Because my work is about impact and, and, and making sure that I give the tools that I was given, uh, that I was gifted to, to give mm-hmm. um, during my lifetime here on earth. Um, I was like, why aren't you doing more of that? And I was like, the aha moment that came to me was that because I was protecting my energy. Mm. Those 20 years I spent in the financial industry, it's taken, like I am still unpacking Mm. the emotional and the Mm. physical and the mental trauma from that, right? So so I I noticed how I was protecting myself. So what I told my, 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 my past self was that I am so grateful and thankful that you did it. Sometimes we tend to look at those things as limitations or self-doubt or past the danger moment. Sometimes it's protection. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're guided to protect yourself until you are at that point when you know it's time for you to actually get to that next level or to begin that next conversation because your germination period for that dream, it's 10 years or it's five years or it's four years, yeah. right? We, we, we need to tune in and to really use that clarity to build on our courage so that we can continue to, to trust ourselves and know that we are the biggest authority on self. And if you are plugged into your spirit, your guide, your God, whatever language you use, yeah. then you know that the timing of your life is always right. Right. Woof. That's big. Thank you. And, you know, I have one more question before I get into Rapid Thrivers. Expression. If there's anyone that embodies expression of self, I think you, you, you're it for me, like other than like Lady Gaga or something. So talk to us, inspire us about how we can, how we can really start to embody ourselves to the point where we express those, like mm-hmm. the, the greatness that lives within us because nobody does it better than you. And like, in my oh, circle, love it. Like, such a like I'm looking at you even tonight and I'm like, is this like, just casual wear at home. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> and I knew it. I was actually excited to see, like, how's the hair going to be done? And what earrings is she going to be wearing? And what bangles is she going to have? What rings is she going to have? What outfit is she going to be wearing? Is she going to be in color? Like, I was, and I <laughs> was. No, you know what? I love it. I used to shy away from it because I'm not a... like don't ask me about the latest brand or fabric I I just love one of the things that I when I when I owned my elephant story and one of those elephant stories has been a survivor of child sexual abuse and that has actually led me to working with the UN to end sexual violence against women and children in the Caribbean also working with the Toronto Police um, um, Service Uh, and the one thing that I learned from that Enkichi was that Again, that, that self-protection, sometimes it doesn't always serve us. And I realized that I was holding Carlin back in so many different ways because I didn't want to stand out. Mm. Because I felt like I would be punished for my authenticity and my expression. 
But what I also learned as I did my healing and I continued to to build on my self-love was that every single thing I do is an expression of thanks to God for putting me here on this earth. Mm-hmm. So if I'm holding back, it means that I'm being selfish with my gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. I need to express that gratitude in a way that really allows me to walk in that truth every single time. And when I also understood, and another thing, you know, RuPaul, he says, like, you know, when you get out of the shower, anything else you put on is drag. So if I get to choose my drag, right? If I get to express Carlin, I want to do it in a way that speaks truth to power. So this Mm. is why I'm very particular about what I wear because, you know, um, designers from black designers, indigenous designers, um, local Canadian women designers, who are the groups who have been historically marginalized? We are doing some brilliant things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I, I really try to, 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 to do is to speak more to our brilliance than we speak to the history of the dehumanization Ooh. and the enslavement I of our it. people. I love right? it. So for me, um, if I can express myself, like this lipstick is from a black, you know, uh, I know folks can see it, but it's from a black um, drama face. So when I'm when I'm speaking, I know what it took for her, this black woman, a single mom with two kids. I know what it took for her to get this business going and to keep it going. Yeah. So I am walking with that brilliance, with that power, um, with that expression. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing we can do is, and, and, I, and I live by that principle of kumba, right, creativity. That my work, my work while I'm here is to express my creative skills, my talents, my way of being in every single way I can. And this is how I say thank you. So for me, style is an expression, is an extension of your leadership, is an extension of who you are becoming. And we get to tell the world who we are simply by dressing and showing up. Simply by how we carry our posture. Nonverbal cues are also more powerful than verbal cues. So don't do the hard work of always using your voice to speak. I often say, use all of you to send a message and to leave a legacy and impact that you will be proud of. Love it. And you do it so flawlessly and so amazingly and so inspirationally. And thank and you. thank you. Thank you. Thank for you that. for seeing me. Thank you for seeing me. You've thank always you. affirmed. And <laughs> I talk about not being validated at work for some of my experiences or even some of my, my, my brilliance. When I think about the times I had to fight for credit for projects I led, I was the lead on. And I like, you know, this is why it's so important for me to always have those moment with my sisters because you remind me i don't always see it but you remind me and i just want to say thank you for always being such a always great champion. see trust me always and when i don't I'm see that we're going to look for me look, look for you <laughs> so rapid thrivers tell me uh when i when i ask you who inspires you the most who comes to mind first and why my mom mm. because um I went to school. I was never missing for anything. Um, you know, my, my, my parents, I would say, you know, my parents, they, they really raised us with so much love and with so much grace and, and, and resilience. So my mom is that person. She had a stroke, you know, early on this year, and it really scared us. Um, but she's just slowly on demand, and, and, and she's fighting through. But one thing I really admire about my mom was that, you know, I told her, Mom, what you repeat, you prioritize. So if you're constantly talking about the things that pain you, then it means that you're constantly inviting pain in. And I bought her a notebook and I said, if we have spoken about a situation or something that you're, you're struggling with more than three times, I want you to start writing it in your book. 
because we cannot keep talking about you complaining. Do something about it. She goes to church all the time. I'm like, you have your Bible verses. I'm like, let's put it into practice, Ma. So she doesn't necessarily use the planner, but one of the greatest things that really brought joy to my heart is like, you know, like when I, I remember I called her one day and that was a couple of years back. She's been practicing and she's like, I wrote in my journal today. And I was like, <laughs> Bali, right? Like Bali, right? My 77, well, this year, you know, she, she's just turning 70, 70, 78 this year. My dad's turning 80 this year. Um, but also, you know, we got her a tablet and this lady has mastered, don't get me wrong, half of the time I don't see her, I see her ears or I see Yeah, I know, they, they hold you the know? phone down here. Yes, like, I'm like, Ma, can you just Put the hold phone it up? Ma, your finger is on, you know, the camera, but... The fact that she's trying, and, and yeah. now Enkichi, she's sending voice notes, yeah. and now she's actually typing and she's doing emojis, and I'm like, I know. easy, I know. easy. <laughs> but I'm really proud of her how I she's know. embraced, you know, technology, and yeah. she she listens and yeah. she's constantly trying to improve yeah. her life, and that's one thing I want for my parents. I want them to just have peace and yeah. ease and joy. And I get that. I get yeah. that. I get that. I should I have to have more patience with my mom when she calls me to help her with her iPhone 11. I'm like, why do you have an iPhone 11? iPhone 11. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have an iPhone 11. I know. Mom. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. it. I love it. So what's a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? What's the? What's a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? Meditation. Um, I have I have also changed the story I tell myself about myself. I used to say that, oh, I don't meditate. Uh, it's, you know, I'm not a meditator. It's, it's too hard and all those different excuses. And I realized that my excuses, uh, it was holding me back. Yeah. So I had to give up the excuses for, for, for thriving. Yeah. So meditating, you know, in my habit tracker, in my planner, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to cross out, you know, those, those, those little check marks. Those little check marks. Those Did you do your deal? <laughs> Yeah, what med- is meditation. A, what is an app that helps you with your thrive? Outside of Calm, so Calm is an app that I use a lot because for my meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside of Calm, the other one I would say is Spotify mm. um, because I have either you know my favorite podcast or my favorite playlist. Um, Black is King by Beyonce has been on repeat a lot on repeat yes 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 um there's another one um and i just love discovering also new artists yeah. uh, through, through through spotify as well and final is what is one misconception that people have of you as they see you in your thrive um People think I'm, well, I don't say people, but, you know, what I've heard from, from, from some folks is uh, sometimes people think I'm not approachable or I'm not, um, um, like, yeah, like, like I'm a, what I've heard, feedback I've gotten is that, you know, sometimes calling your energy is like you're too much. I'm a very passionate and expressive person. And especially um, when I can see someone's potential or their dream, sometimes I get a little bit too passionate. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just like, you know, yes, you can go for it. Dream bigger. Like I, I, I'm your dream bigger cheerleader. Yes, you are definitely. Yes, you are. I um, love that about you. <laughs> yes. But also I've learned that that can be a bit 
you know, people might think that I'm trying to take over and, or I'm trying to, like, I'm just too much for some people. Mm-hmm. And, 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 that's, and I've learned that also that that's okay. Yeah. Um, because, um, and that's what everyone, makes it a misconception, right? Yeah. 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 But, and also not, 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 not everyone is, 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 is a part of, 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 I'm supposed to be a part of their, their, their life and they're supposed to be yeah. a part of my yeah. life. So those who do stay away, um, are the ones who are not, but those who do challenge the stereotype and they're like, you know, then, we yeah. we gonna be friends. We yeah, gonna be yeah. people. We're gonna be people. We're gonna be peeps. We're gonna be tribes. We're gonna be peeps. So, yeah. Carlin, where do we find more of you online? So online at um, kdpmconsultinggroup.com. Um, you can also follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, we're constantly sharing. Um, oh gosh, know. you gotta follow her on LinkedIn. There's so <laughs> many. I so many articles that I share like at my workplace. You gotta follow. Like you write some amazing articles. Oh, there's one that I shared. I think it actually informed a conversation or discussion that we had at work. Oh, it was just, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's good to hear. Yeah. I'm going to keep sharing them, but yeah, LinkedIn and, and I actually just got LinkedIn live. So I'm really looking excited. I'm very excited to actually start having some live conversations on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Yes, me too. Okay, good. I'll see you on there. I'm going to have to have you come on as a guest. And, uh, this podcast is called and we'll share all her links online this podcast is called empowered in my skin and so carlin in proper carlin form can you tell us what that means to you (sighs) empowered in my skin um, means showing up fully in every single area of my life um however i want to whatever my my yeah, like like however I am being guided to, I, I would say. So so for example, you know, some folks might say, you know, shaved side heads is not professional, but for me that is what is authentic for Carlin. Mm-hmm. Um, language that I'm choosing to use, that is what you know, empowering my skin looks like, mm-hmm. and also it it also looks like being okay with not being okay mm-hmm. with how others are receiving mm-hmm. um, Carlin. Yeah. Because it's it's also extremely important for me to leave room for people to disagree with me or not agree with me or not see my point of view. Mm-hmm. And I'm also very big on um, um, Britain inviting people in to, 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 to having discussions. So empowering my skin does not necessarily mean that how I express or what I say is, is the right way. I'm always open to have a discussion and to hear other perspectives because I believe that's how you grow. And it's actually a key contributor for a growth mindset. I love it. I'm at the beginning. I mean, we had a conversation and I asked you, you know, at the end of this podcast, what would you love to be known for? And, And I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but what I took from what you said is really about allowing through the words that you share and, and, and how you maybe even answer certain questions is, is our ability to get a reflection of ourselves through you. And, uh, and you've accomplished that. I mean, I, there's so many nuggets. I especially love the piece on how you talk about why we should express ourselves and, and how you do it, because I think so many of us can follow that and achieve that for ourselves. And so, you know, Carlin, thank you for sharing energy in the, like the, only only the way that you know how to and so i really truly appreciate you as just a human and a sister friend and wow just thank you thank you for oh, reaching my life thank yeah. you yeah. Oh. <laughs> and so to everyone that's listening we're at the point of the interview where i have to unfortunately say bye-bye <laughs>
Thank you so, so much, much for having me, yeah. Ankachi. It was truly an honor. Love it, love Thanks it. for also being empowered in your skin. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everybody. So there you have it. I trust you're saying to yourself, I'm fully empowered in my skin. And remember, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else that you feel can benefit from the empowering content that we deliver. As Tom Billia says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been fun hanging with you. It's your girl, and I'm out.